Well, good morning. We are uh, continuing the sermon series that we uh, kicked off a few weeks back entitled Questions That Jesus Asked. You can you can learn a lot about a, a person, what's important to them, how their mind works by observing the questions they ask. And Jesus asked a lot of questions in the Gospels. And today we're looking at a question that I, I'm pretty sure that most of us, if not all of us here, have not had specifically asked of us. Although I'm sure all of us probably have had a version of it asked of us. The question that Jesus asked us today is, why do you look at the, the speck? Why do you focus on the speck in somebody else's eye and ignore the, the log, the plank in your own? But before we look at the question today, I want to do kind of a little analogy using physical therapists. If you're a physical therapist, hopefully this will come off well and you're going to look good in the course of this. But what does a physical therapist do? They they help you rehab from a surgery or, or an injury, right, to try to get you back to full function, to restore you back to your life and your, your work. And if you have a really good physical therapist, you're not always going to look forward to seeing them, are you? You're not always going to appreciate going to them because they're going to push you farther than you think you can go and farther than maybe you want to go. They're going to make you do one more or ten more reps. They're going to make you extend that arm or that elbow or that shoulder or that knee beyond what you think is is humanly possible for you. They're, they're going to cause you pain, maybe a lot of pain. And the purpose of the pain is to help restore you, right? To help you recover. Pain with a purpose, pain motivated by care and compassion for the patient. It's not pain for no reason or pain that's sadistic. So if you have a physical therapist who giggles and laughs when you moan in pain, maybe you should look for, <laughs> for a different one. Now think about that in the context of our, of our human relationships, No doubt there have been times when somebody has spoken to you in a critical manner. They didn't really know you very well. They just spewed out some criticisms of you, maybe uh, in person or over the phone, text or email, or maybe online, social media. Think about how that makes you feel when that happens. But think about a time in your life when somebody spoke constructive words to you. Somebody that cares about you, that you respect, somebody that you know has your your best uh, interests in mind. They're not trying to cause you pain for no reason. Um, Those are sometimes hard to hear those things, but maybe you get a little defensive as well. But but, you know, it's somebody who loves you and somebody who cares about you. And even though it stings deep down, you usually know that it's it's true. Think about the difference between how you feel in those two different scenarios. The hard word comes from somebody who cares about you and the hard word coming from someone who, who doesn't. And the difference in the emotions, the feelings, the responses uh, between those scenarios, it really gets to the heart of this question that Jesus asks us. Why do you focus on the speck in somebody else's eye and ignore the log in your own? And behind this question that Jesus asks, there's really some other questions. Uh, how do you view God? How do you view yourself? How do you view other people and how does that come out in the context of our relationships? Now, we know, we all know that sometimes we need to hear constructive feedback from somebody. That's why we have performance reviews at work. That's why we go to counseling, maybe to work through issues. 
Um, that's, well, that's why we take a good friend out to coffee and we ask for their feet. Am I seeing this right? Am I doing something wrong here? We, we, we know we need somebody to speak truth sometimes because we're all going to get off track at times, you know, struggle with a pattern or attitude or, or behavior. Uh, and we can't see it. Or maybe we don't want to see it. And so we need somebody who's going to love us enough to hold up a mirror to our lives. Now, with that in mind, let's turn to Matthew 7, the passage that Eric read just a few moments ago. And we're going to place it in the context of a larger passage, the Sermon on the Mount, which is chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. It's the longest recorded message that we have of Jesus in the Gospels. It begins in chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. And one of the things Jesus says in the beginning of chapter 5, in verse 3, is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I think it's important for us, as we look at these words from Matthew 7, that Eric read, we need to look at those verses in light of this verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for, to, for, to their, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because why? Because for a person's heart to be changed substantially and spiritually, there has to be a recognition that they're poor in spirit, that they're in need of God, that we are a person in need of God's restoration and correction and, and healing. And I don't think in any other circumstance that we need more of this attitude, this humble attitude, this poor in spirit attitude than we then we engage others. We hear or we give um, constructive feedback that's about something we see that's not right, that's causing them to miss out on what God has for them. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, verses 1 through 6. It's a short passage. We're going to read it again, and then we're going to break it down. Do not judge, for you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. So let's start with verse 1. This is... Unfortunately, it's a, a verse that's often misapplied. Uh, don't judge unless you want to be judged. People, we, we love this verse, right? Don't tell me how to live my life. Who are you to judge me? Live and let live. But as we look at Jesus' teachings, this is not a call to you know, live and let live as if we would never make a judgment call or discernment about what's right and wrong. We do it all the time. And it's not about just anything goes. Uh, Jesus doesn't teach that. The New Testament doesn't teach that. There are times when we need to speak truth to each other and receive truth, even a rebuke in love. Like I think of a, a time, well, not that long ago, a good friend of mine, we've known each other for years, and we joke around and tease each other and kind of how guys are kind of sarcastic put downs and things like that. And, and he said, you know, uh, he, one time he pulled me aside. Hey, you know, I feel like sometimes you're going a little too far. I'm like, really? Okay. And I listened to him and, and I, you know, and I'm like, he's right. So I, res I respect it and I was glad to hear that from him because I don't want any problems between him and me. So there are times when we need to do that. And, and, and Jesus here, uh, as, he's, as he's speaking, 
these words. There's a, there's, a, there's a wide variety of people in the congregation, in the crowd. There's, there are zealots. They're the guys who want to overturn the Roman government empire, throw them out, kind of anarchists. Let's pick, pick up arms. Let's go to war. Um, there are just everyday people, you know, people just trying to put one foot in front of the other, make it to the end of the day, do the best they can to, you know, love God and love other people. Uh, you have you know, people who feel on the outside, you know, people who are kind of avoided, the lepers, the prostitutes, tax collectors. And then you have in the crowd Pharisees, Sadducees, religious, you know, leaders. And at this time, the teachings and the self-righteousness, the, the judgmentalism of the Pharisees really permeated a lot, much of Jewish life and culture. In fact, at the time of Jesus, the teachings of the Pharisees sometimes even superseded Scripture. They would add to the Scriptures. They would teach things even that the Scriptures did not teach. And it's a giveaway here that Jesus' words are primarily directed toward the Pharisees, those guys, because he uses the word hypocrite. And in Matthew, often when Jesus directly addresses the Pharisees, he uses the word hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? You know, it's somebody who acts. It's... It's somebody who portrays something that they're not, uh, somebody who's two-faced. And, and the Pharisees, they had these you know, double standards, and they would twist Scripture and create laws and rules, and, and whether you were able to follow those laws and rules determined how righteous you were or how unrighteous you were also. And Jesus says to them, Judge not, lest you yourself be judged by the same standards you use to judge others. And the word he uses for judge here is a word that conveys the idea of condemnation. It's to be the judge and the jury. It's basically to say, what you're doing is wrong, and I know your motives, and I know why you're doing it, and I condemn you for it. Which goes beyond what we as believers have the authority to do. We're called to make judgments about right and wrong, to correct and, and speak to truth to each other in love, but, but to condemn, that's only God's job. An example of that might be that you see somebody who's been out of work for six months. They seem to be able-bodied. You see help-wanted signs all over, yet they're not working. You might say, um, I know where they're not working. They're, they're lazy. They just want to milk the system. We don't talk to them don't really know what's going on in their lives. We make a judgment. We're judge and jury. We condemn them. Jesus addresses this in a, in a parable in Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. I'm going to read it. It'll be along on, the, on the screen behind, behind me as well. To those who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you the truth that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now notice how the Pharisee prays. He's not really talking to God, is he? He's 
He's talking so people around him will hear and, you know, be impressed by his you know, religious credentials and by his, his, his righteousness. And, and let's be honest, sometimes you know, our motives can be mixed in prayer. We might be praying and thinking about how it comes across to the other people in the room. Or we can pray in a way that sends a message, you know, to somebody who's listening. Oh, God, forgive those of us who really uh, aren't patient with their spouses or something like that. You know, we can send a message through our prayers. And that's what the Pharisee is doing. Thank God I'm not like that guy. I'm not like that person. I'm not like those people. God, you're so blessed to have me on your team. And and Jesus says self-righteousness is it's an offense to God. It, it, It stinks. It smells. It causes us to overinflate ourselves and think of ourselves better than others and not see others as people created in the image of God. It can cause us to be blind to our own sins and failures. We can see everybody else's faults, but not our own. And we nitpick others' lives, but ignore the big issues on our own. Let's take a look now at Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 again. The question Jesus asked. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, the word Jesus uses here for speck, it's, it's a, like a splinter, like a, a twig. It, and it's embedded in the eye. So it's not just something like a piece of lint. You can just kind of, not a big deal. It's not nothing. It's something. And if it's not addressed, it's going to alter vision or blur vision. It's going to cause pain. It might become infected. So Jesus isn't saying just ignore that. But he is saying that if you've got a massive log sticking out of your own eye, it's not going to be very helpful. If you're walking around like that trying to help people, a huge issue you're not addressing, you're going to end up hurting others. They're going to see through your hypocrisy, your double standards, and... It can turn them off of God. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I get that, but, you know, <laughs> there aren't any Pharisees here today. Uh, we're not going around making laws, and uh, we're not adding to scriptures. Well, we might be doing more of the judging that Jesus condemns than we think. You know, whenever we see someone and draw conclusions about what they've done and why they've done it, and why they're in the situation they're in, all without really knowing them. And we just assume that God agrees with us, with our judgment, our assessment. J. Vernon McGee, a pastor, I've got a few of his books in my library. He's passed away now, but he wrote this. The only exercise some Christians get is jumping to conclusions and running down others. You know, we we can do this when we speak unfiltered. In moments of anger, uh, we, we, we all have done this. And we never feel more self-righteous than when we're angry, right? You feel so right. You know, how could you do that? I never would. Why would you think that? Why would you say that? I just don't understand how you could. And we feel justified and we kind of feel a little bit of contempt in our heart. Maybe you know what that's like. 
The Bible says in your anger, don't sin. Doesn't mean that we don't get angry. There are things we should be really angry about in the world. But in your anger, don't sin, we're told. Which means that we need to ask the Holy Spirit to filter our words, to keep us humble, to not set ourselves up as superior, judge and jury, against others when we're angry. And there's another way that this self-righteousness that Jesus condemns can rear its ugly head. It's when our desire to expose the sin and the mistakes of another person, it's greater than our desire to see them restored and, and healed in right relationship with Jesus. We, we, we want to shame, we want to expose Maybe there's even a little, you know, secret delight, spiritual schadenfreude, when we see them fall and make a train wreck of their, their lives. I told them, I warned them, and they ignored me, and now look what's happened. Got what they deserved. That can happen to us. We feel good about ourselves. Thank God I'm not like him or like her. Sounds kind of ugly. So where's the hope? Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of, of, of heaven. Which means if we come before God and admit to him our weaknesses and our tendencies to sin and to judge, God has the power to change our hearts. Now, again, Jesus is not saying we should never speak into another person's life. That we're just to sit back and say, gee, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to speak correction, so I just don't do or say anything. Which if, you, if you're a parent and you do that with your child, you see them doing something wrong, it's harmful and hurtful to themselves and others, you're going to say something. You're not going to nag them or shame them, but you're going to say something. If we love our brother and sister in Christ, we'll do the same. But to do that well, from a place of love and humility, Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye. Don't ignore it. Make sure you come from a place of humility that comes from a self-awareness of your own sin and issues. So how do you do that? How do we speak truth to somebody in love and do it in humility? That's not easy to do. Well, first we have to have a desire that God and others speak truth into our lives. We have to seek that out, to invite that in our lives. Like, like David did in Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Or to paraphrase, God, show me my logs. God, reveal to me the planks in my, in my lives, in my, in my eyes, in my, in my life. And as we read scripture and we hold up like a mirror to our lives, God will sometimes send people into our lives to speak truth in love. And we need to be open to that because if we're not... If we're not open to constructive feedback, to truth spoken in love, then we have no business doing that with others. A good question to ask yourself in this whole area is, do I get more upset about the sins of other people than I do about my own sins? Do I get more riled up and angry about the sins I see in other people's lives than I do about my own sins? On my own issues. If I do, I've got a problem spiritually. 
So here's something to try. Think about the top, say, three people that what they think about you really, really matters. What they say to you really has an impact. They say, for example, Doug, I see something. You know, I love you. You know, I respect you. I want the best for you. But I see something in your life that concerns me. Think about the top three people who, if they came to you and said something like that, you would listen to them. You might get defensive. You might squirm, but you would listen. So you, you, you got that list. My guess is those three people pop to mind pretty quickly. Now make a point this week to tell them that they're on that list. Tell them you appreciate them, you respect them, and that they have permission. In fact, you want them, you're inviting them to speak truth to you. Promise them you'll listen and you'll ask God to help you to change. Another thing we can do is to ask God to help us have a desire that a person be restored and not humiliated. The Apostle Paul says this in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Tempted to do what? Tempted to think you're better than them? Think, tempted to think you to have a superior attitude? Tempted to judge them? He says, but wash yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know, a few weeks back, Pastor Tyler looked at a, a question Jesus asked of the woman caught in adultery. Remember the story? You know, uh, she's caught in adultery. They, the religious leaders drag her out to, into the public area. They're going to stone her. It's interesting, the guy isn't there, right? It's just the woman that tells you something. So they drag her there. They're going to stone her. They're going to kill her. And Jesus, before they do this, says, hey, whoever hasn't sinned, you cast the first stone. And they all drop the stones and walk away because they've been caught out, right? Then Jesus asked her the question, who is it that condemn you? condemns you? Is there no one to condemn you? She says, no. Then he says, go and sin no more. So, so Jesus here, he protects her from those who would condemn her, shame her, and kill her. He restores her, and then he invites her to a life that honors him. Go and sin no more. It's an invitation. He doesn't ignore the sin, but he doesn't pile on. He doesn't condemn her. He addresses it in love and truth and invites her to follow him and live in a way that provides her joy and, 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 and a connection with God and a life that honors God. You know, in, in all things, regarding the faith, we look to Jesus, right? And Jesus, when he sees Jerusalem and the destruction that's going to come upon the city because of their hard-heartedness and rebellion, what's he do? He weeps. He doesn't just feel a bit bad. Boy, I wish they would change. He sobs. When Jesus sees the crowds, the Bible says he was filled with compassion. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. His attitude isn't, man, they are so dense they don't get it. Or they're just lazy and rebellious. It wasn't, they had their chances. I tried to warn them. They just won't listen. Jesus feels deeply. He has a burden for them because he loves them. 
He has compassion for them. Can we ask God to give us that type of heart, a heart like Jesus? I think if we have that type of heart, a heart like Jesus that's growing that way, we will speak truth in love, not perfectly, but we'll speak truth in love, and hopefully we'll speak it well, and we'll be open to the truth that people speak to us in love. Before we close, you're probably thinking, okay, Doug's just going to skip over verse 6. Well, you might be wondering about it, so let's deal with that. Jesus said, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. What is he saying here? What does this have to do with judging and not judging and their attitudes and all those things and specks and logs? What Jesus is saying here is that there will be some people, for whatever reason, could be something going on in their life, could be their heart attitude, it could be um, just the time. There are some people who will not want our help. They're not going to be open to God's truth. They don't want to hear it, so we should not force it. Use discernment. Show them love, of course. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you openings. But don't force it. Also, Jesus is primarily in these verses talking about how God's people are to relate to, you know, to each other. It doesn't mean we shouldn't share God's truth and love with those who don't believe. But Jesus is speaking primarily to us in the body of Christ. He's saying that when we give constructive feedback to each other, we are to do it in love, with humility, in awareness of our own sins, and with an eye to restore and heal. Which, again, is not easy to do because we are self-focused, self-centered people sometimes who turn a blind eye to our own issues and are laser-focused on the issues of the people around us. So Jesus asked us, why do you focus on the speck in someone else's eye but ignore the log in your own? The only way to adjust our vision and see as Jesus does is to ask God to change our heart to help us to see others as he does, to love them as he does, to seek their restoration and healing as he does, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to perceive. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for your word and for your truth. And Lord, we come before you and we confess that uh, we uh, often fall short and we judge. We jump to conclusions. We, we condemn um, all while ignoring our own sin and issues. Uh, Father, change our hearts. Help us to be people who speak truth and love following uh, the guidance of your Holy Spirit. And even more importantly, Lord, help us to be people who are open to receiving, to being humble as people speak the truth and love to us. Change our hearts, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.